Welcome. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. Good to have you today. Packers get a nice win. All is right with the world right now. And uh, joining us on the hotline, uh, our good buddy Bill Huber from SI covers the Green Bay Packers. As always, Bill, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How about you, Bill? I'm doing well. So let's start off first and foremost with uh, David Bakhtiari. Uh, played well, graded out pretty well via pro football focus as their best offensive lineman pass blocking. Not great in the run blocking category, although I thought he had a couple of good blocks to spring Aaron Jones free. But they put him on a pitch count. Uh, correct thing to do? Yeah, I absolutely it is. I mean, he hasn't hasn't played, right? This guy in it, right. it's not like... It's not like Joe Schmo coming back from an injury, right? I mean, this is your five-time All-Pro tackle. He's getting paid a gajillion dollars. I mean, you need him. You need him next. You need him for that game. You need him for this coming week, the next week. You need him for the playoffs. You need him for 2023. And you got to treat this guy. Not to use my wife's phrase, you got to treat him like a porcelain doll, right? I mean, you just can't. Yeah. You got to be as cautious as it can be, because as, as important as Sunday's game was against Tampa. You know how it's been around here, Bill. All these games are important, but the re- the ones that really matter are December, January, and God, you know, if you get lucky, you get to February. Um, so it's always that forward-thinking vantage point with this franchise, and definitely the way to go with him. So um, the uh, the team has this game against Mac Jones coming up. Looks like Mac Jones not going to be playing anytime soon. Obviously. Uh, I'm not going to say it's an easy game by any stretch because I don't think there really are easy games in the NFL. But this is one that, you know, after playing a pretty tough Tampa Bay team, even without all their weapons, this is one that you you should pretty much win at home, right? you got to feel pretty confident coming out of Tampa Bay, a game that many people thought they would lose to begin with. And now you kind of, I don't want to say get into the easy portion of your schedule, but you look at the next five, six weeks to, uh, in a barrel, you've got a lot of wins that should be sitting right there in front of you for the taking, right? Yeah, in fact, I just heard about that a little earlier. You got New England this week, then the Giants in London. I realize the Giants are two and one, but I don't think they're very good. The Jets are one and two, then Washington is one and two, and then you get into the meat of things with Buffalo and Detroit and so on. So, yeah, you you got to win these. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I'm sure people are going to bring up trap games and all this other nonsense. But, you know, the Packers are pretty much impervious to um, playing stinkers against teams they should win. They've, they've generally, there's been some exceptions. But they've generally taken care of business against teams that they should beat, and certainly, certainly should win this one. You know, Brian Hoyer is thirty-seven years old. The, you know, Belichick's a great coach, but this, this defense, at least through three games, is terrible. I mean, they've they've been I think they were number two in scoring last year. They're twenty-third now. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the special teams squared away. So yeah, I mean, everything points to a, a Packers victory here. And if, if if they play as they should, and the defense builds on the momentum that they got from from Sunday, they should be just fine. Romeo Dubs emerging as the main target? Probably. I mean, it's probably going to be target du jour, I think, based on week to week and, and matchups. Like, you know, the Patriots have one really good corner. You know, are they going to just have him play a size? going to go on Lazard? He's going to go on Dobbs? That'll be interesting what they want to do there. But, I mean, he's the one guy, obviously Christian Watson too, but Watson's injured, so I'm not including him in this. He's the one guy with some explosibility out there. Um, Lazard's a good player. He's just, it, that's not his game, right? And Sammy Watkins had a good game against Chicago and he had a, he had a deep catch in that game, I realized, but that's not his game. And that's not Randall Cobb's game. You know, they, they didn't throw it deep to Dobbs, but 
I go back, I believe it was the second quarter, it was a third and eight, and he just threw it out in the flat to him. The play's not going to work, but he just turned on the Jets, and he, and he beat the linebacker's angle, and he got the first down. And that's, that's what he's got that these other guys don't have. Um, the quarterback really likes him. So, yeah, if, if he's not the guy, I certainly wouldn't be surprised by the end of the season if he's the guy, just because he's got he's got what the other guys don't have, and that's that ability to, to create some separation through sure athletics. What should we take away, what do you take away from this past weekend's performance out of the defense that was so stout for such a long period of time? I know fans got really uproarious, if you will, on that final drive. And I said, look, uh, the one thing you don't want to do is pull a Kevin King and let somebody get behind you and score on you <laughs> very easily. And, and that, that could have happened. So I, they kept everything in front of them. But we all know the old world word prevent prevents you from winning. And people are screaming for Joe Barry being soft. I'm like, look, they gave up 12 points, a couple of field goals and a touchdown. That, that's it. And they knocked down the two-point conversion in the biggest play of the game. So I don't know why people are upset, but give me your thoughts defensively speaking in this performance this past week. Yeah, I think, you know, I think LaFleur even thought they got a little soft there at the end too. But I get it, right? And you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it was Packers, Buccaneers, and Scotty Miller beats them on a situation that never should have happened. So I get it, and you you played you played so well the whole game, and you figured that your players are better than our players. Look, they are right. I mean, Stokes and Alexander, or not Alexander didn't play. Stokes, Douglas, and Nixon are better than what the Buccaneers had receivers. So you you feel good about that. So it it all worked out. I get the consternation, but man, oh man, I think what I took from it is these guys know that they're good. Um, Devondre Campbell was asked in the locker room after the game if this is a confidence builder for the for the defense, and he said no because. They, they didn't need this game to have confidence. They've already got it. Um, this is a unit was obvious in training camp, but on the practice field, it's obvious in the locker room. Um, it's obviously what these guys are talking trash to Rogers at times in, in August that these guys know they're good. They believe they're good. And this is the expectation, right? This is, you know, holding camp at a 12 both. And it's like, Oh my God, look at what we just did. This is like, this is what they thought was going to happen all along. The uh, the defense, uh, I thought Devondre Campbell had an extremely good game. Quay Walker continues to impress me and get better. But the defensive trenches where we kind of thought going into this game, yeah, you know, Brady doesn't have a lot, have a lot to throw to, but they got to control the, the trenches. they got to put pressure on Brady, and they got to stop the run. All of that accomplished. And even though their offensive line is a little depleted, I think where the Packers impressed me the most wasn't in the secondary, but more so in the trenches getting after Tom Brady. Do you? Yeah, for sure. And that, and they, what Fournette had, what, 14 carries, whatever it was, his longest run was six yards. So it was interesting because right. you're watching the game live and you're watching Fournette kind of bottle up at the line and he would squirt through and get something. You kind of thought that his yards per carry would be pretty decent. It was, you know, less than three. Great game by the run defense, the tackling, which had been among the worst in the league through two weeks. They, by my count, they missed one. I think pro football focused on for two or three. Item for one. And that was Devondre Campbell's missed tackle on the fumble that Quay Walker forced. So the tackling was great. The coverage was generally pretty good. Kenny Clark's having a hell of a start. Yeah. No surprise there. Gary's having a hell of a start. No surprise there. It's a really good defense. Um, it's like we thought in August. There's no weak link. Nowhere. The uh, the Packers now, you know, when you start to look at the best teams in the National Football League, we saw the Cowboys get a win last night. Packers are 2-1. and one. Phillies are uh, undefeated as we sit here right now. Who do you think, when you talk about the NFC, 
Uh, the Vikings get off to a start of uh, gangbusters against the Packers and then falter in week two and barely hold on to beat the Lions in week three. Top teams right now in the NFC, in your opinion? Well, I mean, Tampa. I mean, look, you're, you're, presumably you're going to play them again in January, and they're going to have Mike Evans, they're going to have Chris Godwin, they're going to have Julio Jones, and they're going to have their left tackle Donovan Smith, right? This is that's a hell of a football team. Um, I assume the Rams will be right there just because they're the Rams and the champions and, and the defense is good. But, yeah, I would say it's those three teams. Well, yeah, the Eagles, too. I mean, I have, gosh, the Eagles are – Eagles look really good, too. So, I would, it's probably mm-hmm. a – here we are in September, probably, probably a four-horse race between between Philly, Tampa, Rams, and, and Green Bay. I obviously, the, the Packers just got to get better at receiver. I mean, you figure that they will um, just through time and improvement with, with Dobbs and Watson. Do you when when Bakhtiari's fully back? Do you what do you do with Josh Nyman? Do you, do you make him a guard? Do you move around Elton Jenkins? What do you do? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I have never seen Josh Nyman play right tackle, other than a snap or two. Um, I remember Adam Stenovich was asked about it by somebody during OTAs back when they had when when the assumption was Bakhtiari would be back, but Jenkins was injured. So the the hole there at the time was right tackle, right? And they were asked about moving Nyman to right tackle, and he just seemed totally dismissive of it, as in not everybody can go left to right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not as easy as Elton Jenkins makes it out to be. So maybe maybe he's just not very good at right tackle. He's been really good at left tackle, right? I mean, this is you know they he, he was here in, in nineteen. He played left tackle for three years, nineteen, mm-hmm. twenty, twenty one. He he played he was a left tackle. That's all he was. Maybe that's where his skill set is. So you hate to say that in the quest to get your best five on the field that Nyman's not going to be on the field, but maybe he's not going to be on the field. That said, also, Ellen Jenkins wants to play right tackle. I mean, he's going to be a free agent next year. Who who makes more money, tackles or guards? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Even though the guard salary continues to go up, tackles do. Tackles do. So I, I would think Jenkins wants to play right tackle, and I'm not sure that Nyman can play right tackle. So... You know, if you're just talking on paper, yeah, Nyman's among your best five. That's that's easy, but um, you maybe you're better off with Jenkins at right tackle and Royce Newman at right guard than you would be with Jenkins at right guard and Nyman at right tackle. One thing you couldn't do was sustain a lot of injuries via the uh, wide receiving core. Now Christian Watson didn't play. Sammy Watkins, now that you know hamstring, I guess, is much worse than anybody indicated, and now he's on the IR and. It just, uh, you know, on one hand, you think, okay, Romeo Dobbs has been solid. Lazard's been solid. Cobb has been, you're just waiting for Cobb to get hurt because you know he does, much like Puxatani Phil coming out to see a shadow. It's going to happen at some point. But uh, I, I, I just keep thinking, Christian Watson's got to find himself on the field. He's got to do something, right? Yeah. Um, look, at probably the bright. I mean, injuries are bad for one person, good for someone else, right? It's It's, it's been like that since the beginning of sporting time. Um, Watkins gets hurt. Dobbs plays practically every snap and has a great game. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of concern for Watson's injury, so he probably gets some more run. This is as much as you don't want to have Sammy Watkins out. It means more opportunities for these young guys, and the only way these young guys are going to get better is to be out there on the playing field. So there's the upside. Um, might be some short-term pain because Watkins. Is a proven guy, and there's some chemistry with the quarterback there. But if you're going to force these young guys to play, and that's good for them too, right? So, um, 
I guess if you're Matt LaFleur, you see the, the bright side of things. Kept thinking about, speaking of injuries, the secondary, you wanted to see Jair come back, have a solid season, and off to a decent start, but obviously banged up again, and now uh, has to leave the game. Although I will say this, Kayshawn Nixon and company, uh, Rudy Ford and special teams, I mean, those guys look pretty good. Rasul Douglas had gave up a few early, but for the most part rebounded and played a pretty nice game uh, all the way through. So, I, you know, the depth of the secondary, which was an area of concern early on, I don't know if I'm as concerned, specifically in this stretch over the next five, six games where you don't play these these eye-popping quarterbacks, you know. So give me your thoughts on Jair going down and the guys that have played behind him pretty well. Yeah, and it was pretty good. It's interesting. I mean, he played three years in the Raiders and, and didn't play a lot of defense. Um, so he, he comes here and you're thinking he's just a special teams kind of guy. And, you know, if everyone's healthy, that's what he is. But he, he played pretty well. Um, probably gave up six, seven, eight completions. But he also had the, the two big plays on, on the deep breakup and the fourth fumble. So I think big plays probably outweigh the others. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of concern about Jair Alexander either. Um, if I had to bet $5 here on a Tuesday, I would say he won't play on Sunday against New England because they're going to figure you got to get him healthy and they can probably get by without him. Um, but, yeah, this is, it's, a, it's a damn good cornerback core. Um, look, this is, this is uh, kind of the equivalent of first-world problems, right, when, you're, when you lose a cornerback and you're the Packers because who, who's got Sewell Douglas and Eric Stokes ready just to move up a, a notch on the pecking order, right? I mean – Mm-hmm. Douglas is a great player, and Stokes, as long as he's not in, at guarding Justin Jefferson in Minneapolis, he's a heck of a good player too. So, yeah. not many guys or not many teams can afford to lose a number one corner. <laughs> these guys can; these guys are all right. Uh, real quick before I let you go, speaking of special teams, not bad. I, I'm starting to kind of go, okay, I'm seeing improvement here. I'm not jumping on the uh, the total bandwagon to break the shocks yet. But uh, Amari Rogers, albeit that last uh, fair catch, I know people went crazy. I don't know if he was just told, go fair catch it, don't screw it up, don't uh, risk a fumble. But I, I do like what I've seen so far. Yeah, um, I, I, I never understood the consternation over the special teams during a preseason. You know, I, I get maybe it's just you know the trauma of having bad special teams for 614 consecutive years, and maybe that's what it was, but... It's like everything that happened in the preseason was had no relevancy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are good. Basachi's track record is good, and, and kudos to Brian Gutekunst for bringing in Keyshawn Nixon and Rudy Ford and, and Donald Lovett. You know, Deshaun Slocums and Ron Zooks of the world never had the GM give them these kind of guys. So um, the coordinator helps. The personnel helps. Yeah, I, and I tend to agree with you, Bill, on, on the Mario Rogers um, fair catch that I'm going to guess. Based on the situation in that game, you just told him to fair catch it. Right. Um, that makes sense to me. So, look, he's – go back to the second half of last year. Once he, I mean, he got benched after a couple miscues. Cobb came in, then Cobb got hurt, so Rodgers came back in late. He caught all the punts at the end of the year. Um, he had the one this year he dropped, but he's caught the ball pretty well. He must have, over the last 10 games, he's probably got – eight returns of, you know, 12, 15 yards plus. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a 20, what would have been 28 yards on the, on the keep of Nallier running into the kicker nonsense. So that was another return that he doesn't get credit for, but that was right. Um, it's, so he's been, it's been well blocked. He's generally caught the ball and he's generally made something happen. So yeah, the arrows pointing up basically everywhere with these, with that group. Bill, good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Uh, seeing green Bay on uh, Sunday.
Sounds good. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Our buddy Bill Huber, Sports Illustrated. Go to Bill Huber SI on Twitter and find his stuff and get a little bit of update on the Green Bay Packers, some additional thoughts. And uh, he's right. Uh, if you talk about an area of improvement, it's been better. For all the complaints and stuff that happens in the armchair quarterbacks and general managers and second guessers, you can't deny that it's been better. It's not great, but it's been better. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over at New Mam Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders as well. They have one, it doesn't matter where you're listening to the program. If you're in Chicago, if you're in Vegas, if you're in Kansas City, if you're listening to the program in Dallas, all you got to do is call one phone number. They'll find the location nearest you. It's that simple. 414-455-4451. Give them a shout. 414-455-4451. For low T, they can pretty much help you out. I know. I've gone through that. For ED... They have said, look, 98% success rate. So if you got it, you know it. They can help you out there as well. The all-in-one weight loss program, I'm all in. Down a few more pounds this week. I feel good. It's not like falling off like it did when I was like in my 40s. But mid, I'm doing pretty good. I feel pretty good. I'm enjoying myself. Last night I digressed a little bit sitting there eating a couple of pieces of pizza when I was watching a game. And I knew I shouldn't do it, but I did. But I'm telling you, you stay on it. You stick with it. Good to go, man. Good to go. That's our friends over at New Mail Medical, 414-455-4451. Let's talk a little Badger football when we come back. Ben Kenny setting the Twitter world on fire last night. We'll talk about that after this. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. is going to be prevalent, and that is going to be where the uh, Milwaukee Admirals are going to be skating in a quest for a Calder Cup. Back at it, down at the UW Panther Arena, downtown Milwaukee. Go to Admirals, MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That's MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Whether it's for individual tickets, individual games, season tickets, a lot of the promotional events that they have, got to keep checking back. they got a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff going on down there. MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That is MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. So, Ben... Why was everybody going nuts today talking Badger football with you? Uh, there are moments, Bill, where so when I work out, when I exercise, which I often do after we get off the air, when I get home, a lot of the things that go through my head are maybe what I'm going to say in the future or theories after an right. embarrassing loss like Wisconsin had on Saturday. There are obviously a lot of not just with this team, but state of the program thoughts that run through my mind. So as I was working out yesterday, I don't know. Everybody after the game on Saturday uh, came out of the woodworks to attack Paul Christ. And I understand it. Uh, It's kind of expected at this point. We saw it after Washington State. I kind of came to to the thought, a general thought, that Ohio State and playing there and expecting maybe more from this team, it's an unfair measuring stick, I think, for Christ and the program, given where Ohio State is recruiting-wise, their level of quarterback play 
Ryan Day is a play caller. Even the defense this year looks really good. I think it's an unfair measuring stick given the current era of college football that we're in. And the thing that got people very unhappy is as I went through of what could be the proper measuring stick, not a comparison like this program, you know, they want to just be better than them or whatever. It's to see where you stand, you know, when you stick the thing Mm -hmm. into the chicken to see the temperature. Right. It's like you're seeing how hot the chicken is. You want to see where you stand as a program. The one that I brought up as the proper measuring stick is Minnesota. And many were unhappy with that claim. The uh, which I get it. Minnesota's somewhat on the rise, we shall say. Um, but I my question is, why were people getting so mad? Just because it was Minnesota? Well, for the last the comparison twenty was for Minnesota. For the last twenty years, they've been inferior to the Badgers, and the Badgers have dominated that series. I guess I would start with the fact that college football is changing and many programs like wisconsin minnesota and iowa are being lumped together more and more i just uh, the concept of after 20 years of dominating them and getting to big 10 title games winning a couple in the early 2010s that now we're stooping down to compare ourselves to a program like that and i would argue minnesota's actually risen a a good amount over the last couple years and it's more of a if Wisconsin still beats Minnesota and wins the West, I think we should be happy with the job Paul Christ is doing. And there's a real chance that doesn't happen this year. And then I think real questions can be raised. I just saw what happened on Saturday. And while it made me feel worse about the rest of the season, overall, I think looking at that result and saying, oh, Paul Christ has to have the team compete with a team like that is an unfair ask. I, uh, I, I, I will agree with that. I think that the, the the Badgers have talent in the building. Uh, they have replaced some seniors this year, and I think we all have to understand that a little bit. Uh, the outside perception is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, the perception is is that the program has been descending over the last two to three years, with including the start of this season, Correct. It's yes, that is the thought, and it is very hard to disagree with that. Okay, so that's where fans get a lot of angst. That's that's where they get angst because they they see that the program is not ascending, and although they were ranked 18th, I think we all thought to ourselves, that's that's might be high compared to the way things ended last year and what went on that and then losing a lot of your starters specifically on the defensive side of the football like oh that might be high and then sure enough you come out you lose to Washington state you get your just pantsed at the shoe so i get it you know where the dissension comes from but i think that uh the way how do i put this i think that the program right now at least to me is in a state of wait and see they've got a lot of star talent that's in the building i understand it's young the performance if you and i think you said this that the performance under paul christ with some of the young talent has not performed the way people want 
And so that's where the criticism legitimately comes and says, hey, look, if you're not going to develop the guys that you get, these five-star talents and four-star talents and three-star talents, if you're not going to develop them the way Barry did, because that's where the bar is always going to be set with what Barry did, putting a fence around the state of Wisconsin, even though things have significantly changed, um, then, of course, you're going to be looked at as a failure. It's move on to the next guy. Um, I look at it as that, one, if you want to be the best, you got to beat Ohio State. This whole thing about, well, let's, let's win the West, my ass. I, I, you know, it, it's kind of like Packers fans being excited about a 13-win season. Who gives a blank? Who cares? If you're not going for championships, then what are you doing it for? You're not here to win the West. You're not here to win the division. You're here to win championships. And if you can't do that consistently or at all, then, you, yeah, then yeah, you got to move on. Because otherwise your your mediocrity begins to just be absorbed into the program. And that I understand. So it's how many bites at the apple, to part, to use the phrase oh, God. from David Stearns, how many bites at the apple do you want before you say, can't get over the hump, got to move on? Got to do something different. In professional sports, it's different because you got ownership, you got money, you got certain things involved. You can't do that. In recruiting, in development of players, in coaching staffs, all of that is controllable within that realm because you're only getting the kids in that you can get in. But if you're not getting better talent, you're not recruiting better talent, you're not getting the talent you want because of whatever reason, whether it's the unwillingness to go all in on the NIL or or for whatever reason, or you just don't have recruiting capabilities and tentacles like an octopus in certain areas that is producing really high-level talented, whether it's receivers or whatever, then you got to move on because you're, you're, you don't, you're not there to stay stagnant. Now, if I'm a program like, say, Buffalo, I know my place. I, I'm never going to win a national title unless, you know, something dramatic happens, you know, and they expand this thing to 12 or 16 games, and I get in as an independent somewhere that because I, won my, I went undefeated or whatever, then I'm at least going to get a shot. But in the top four, in the top eight, you're not getting a shot unless you win the whole damn thing coming out of your conference. And right now, the Apple, and I don't care what anybody says, as much as Harbaugh has done for Michigan and brought them back, and it took them a long time to do it, what you're chasing is Ohio State. What you saw on that field is Ohio State. What you look at coaching is Ohio State. And people say, well, Urban Meyer did this. Yeah, but Ryan Day has taken it and accelerated it and accentuated it. He hasn't won a national championship yet, but I got the feeling he's got one in him. Do you have that same sense with Paul Christ and his coaching staff? So how many more bites at the apple do you take? And I think you give them time to try to rectify this situation with Jim Leonard and company. But if you don't, then what are you? And I think when you, which is a great question, what are you? Because I heard in that, right before we went to, uh, came on the air today, uh, over on uh, The Zone, um, I heard a um, uh, a quote from uh, one of the Badger players. I was barely paying attention to it. And this leads me into one of the topics that I brought up earlier today. And he said, well, we got to get back to Badger football. My question is, what is Badger football? What is it? It's not a dominating defense. You got your ass handed to you. It's not this road grader, run-blocking offensive line that you're going to win games behind. Let's go get it. Three yards in a cloud of dust, we're going to kick your ass. It's not that. It's not a passing game that's prolific by any stretch of the imagination. 
you got a field goal kicker. I mean, obviously they've got their main guy who is down, but you, you got you, your special teams aren't great. So what the hell is Badger football? This whole thing of we got to get back to Badger football. My ass. Try winning football because you don't have an identity right now. Am I wrong? No, you're spot on with this team. Uh, I guess that's where my focus lies is it's not a program wide thing. Why I am, why I would criticize Chris. It's just this team. This team doesn't have a defensive identity. They don't have an offensive identity. The special teams absolutely suck and they're a liability. So the three legit criticisms I think you could bring up are the fact his new look coaching staff entering this year, which he catered all around him. Early returns have been quite poor. Uh, to development of a lot of high-star players has, has not been very good. Right. The passing game, which Chris is supposed to be the offensive guy, still leaves a lot to be desired. And just in general, you're right. They don't have an identity yet, and that is a legit problem. But that's all stuff from this year, I guess, right. where the Ohio State thing is separate. That's more of a big-picture look at it, which is one right, right. I love to have in the offseason. I look at Saturday's game, and there's so much there. They couldn't tackle. The linebackers played like crap. Defense literally did not do anything well, and I'm really concerned for the rest of the season. But it's not because I'm concerned about the whole state of the program or you know whether they can ever beat Ohio State. It's the guys they have on the field are just not playing well, and it's not working. So, and I'm going to put this out there to Badger fan because I think it's a legitimate question. When you hear somebody within the program say, we got to get back to Badger football, what is Badger football? If I say Badger football is, right now, over the last year or two, this this portion of the season in last year and the year before, I, I mean, I don't know, what is Badger football? Because I'm curious to find out what the perception of Badger football is. And I think it's a legitimate question. And as the season goes on, hopefully that question is answered. Again, I'm not calling for anybody's job. I'm simply saying I'm giving everything time to sort itself out. I'm not one to just say start firing people. That's just not what I do. But after a period of time, you start to ask yourself, are you ascending, staying the same, or descending? And what is your identity? Have you accentuated that? Have you put guys in position to be successful on a consistent basis to 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 fortify that identity? And if you haven't, well, then you're just you're just a, a rudderless ship, just meandering around, hoping something gets better, and that's never a great place to be. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.